I need to get it like, I need to like, just like, four hours before this. Welcome back to another Mark's Madness Bands of Turtle Island uh, collaboration. We don't know how to do our singing thing without all three of us. Yeah, that's facts. We were hoping that it was going to be all three and then... We, we we are we were keep failing. You guys are just getting rotating hosts of the show. Um, well, it's the incredible. joke was last episode that it was going to be a random guest. So <laughs> it was going to be me and a random guest. I've I've been invited on as a random guest. Thank thankfully, I just I'm a recurring uh, character. That's what yeah, I. Yeah, you're a recurring guest on this podcast. <laughs> uh, this is my podcast, Mark's Madness. I started it back in the day because I wanted to read Capital. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we finally finished the introduction which is yeah to be fair it's like the third of the book so it, it it is it's called introduction but it has a lot of content and that puts us through 40 pages out of 140 pages so i i would call that pretty close to a third yeah, yeah just about <laughs> a little just under about. a third mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. part one divest oh wait 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 there's some current yeah. events shit I forgot I how this episode I, runs, how this show runs. Uh, yeah, well, that's okay. There's two of us, so God knows where this ship's steering. Um, <laughs> it's like you ever play Sea Good of Thieves? Good luck, folks. What's that? You ever play Sea of Thieves? Sea of Thieves? No. Oh, that's a shit show. Oh. <laughs> See, like, now there's a question that you got to be asking when Nathan's here. He'd be like, yeah. I don't think so. I think I've asked Nathan before. But oh, really? It's like one of these games that he like. plays like Civ and stuff like that. So I, I do, know. too. Okay. It's okay. I don't know. I like humankind better because, like, it focuses on. Here I am getting all. We're talking about video games. Whatever. We'll stop. So, current events. (laughs) Current events. Um, Oh. Oh, elections. Uh, That happened. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. So, again, you know, we have have our feelings about uh, electoralism, but that. I think the way I've, I've heard it put is. Put the percent of effort in the amount of change it'll make. So yeah, so like if voting, if voting is easy for you, or if voting is something that's going to make more than a one percent change in your area, then then do it. But if you're going to wait four hours in line and it's not even going to make one percent change, I'm not going to blame you for not doing like, it. And you start campaigning, and that's a whole that's a whole if other abortion's animal. on the table. Yes, go vote. Yeah, if you have a QAnon candidate on the table, yeah, go vote. If Doctor Oz, who sh- kills dogs, oh, is in your fucking <laughs> election, that was funny. Go holy and, shit! Oh, the right that wasn't that funny. Reacted. I'm gonna be honest. That's not that funny. That's a lot of dogs. No, 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 no. I didn't mean Doctor Oz killing dogs. Oh, okay. I meant because like I the meant, Pete Buttigieg shit was fake, so that was funny. But I. I meant the the right wingers, and they focus so much on the Fetterman Oz race. The right wingers who all shit their pants because they didn't get their red wave. Uh, I don't know. I listened to Alex Jones on that shit, and Alex Jones <laughs> is like way ahead of the game. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Alex Jones is pretty plugged in. It's, that's why I li- <laughs> if you want like the distilled idiot version of what like right wing militias are doing. I yeah. listen to Alec. Well, I don't listen to Alex Jones. I listen to Knowledge Fight break down Alex Jones because I don't want to listen to Alex Jones. Yeah, no. no, no. I listened to his latest deposition. Oh, yeah, that's another current event. He got a in his latest deposition in Texas. He is now owes another half a billion dollars. <laughs> Get wrecked. Well, um, so in the deposition, he basically says like, uh, 
the family deserves it. Like it, it, not so much. Like he gives these long drawn out explanations of everything. And so like, yeah. the lawyer keeps like trying to distill it and get him to say yes or no. Right. And so the lawyer goes, so the family's got what they deserved. And then Alex Jones goes, I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> I was like, Alex, <laughs> come the fuck on. It was ruled abusive. Oh, <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, no, he fucking, yeah, owes a half a billion dollars for that one too. <laughs> so <laughs> that man is fucked. Uh, that, is good. <laughs> that man, that man is almost fucking up as badly as Elon Musk. Um, oh, no, he Alex Jones fucked up worse than Elon Musk. Oh. But that shit with the the uh, fake uh, profiles that are all verified. Yeah, that's the, the pay for the verification. Like, who the fuck thought that was a good idea? Except well, Elon himself. Well, if you himself, don't give yeah. a shit, you know, yeah, you're like, true. how can we make money on Twitter? <laughs> you know, well, I then, do have... Oh, I, go I, on. Oh, I did. I did. And I even threw this out on Twitter. I do have this inkling and it doesn't matter because, you know, there's always going to be other communication. There's always going to be other even social media. And most of this is going to be what you go out in your community and do. And I'm going to go use that. the Minecraft forums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what you got to your community and do is really going to, you know, uh, matter a lot more in political movements um, mm-hmm. than than anything else. Um but, fundraiser. Right. It. But I wonder how much of this is like Elon fucking up because he's stupid and arrogant and steps on his own dick basically left and right. Or if it's he saw a medium that was run by every bit the fascist he is. Um, and Twitter's been notorious about like being late for the ban hammer, like libs of TikTok was able to stay on there when Facebook and stuff, you know, banned them uh, ban, you know, because she was like basically putting hits out on on trans people and trans and drag events um oh yeah yeah i mean they, they, that was like, like kind of their, their well like, like the, like she'd send out the signal that you know this event's happening now and then right-wing militias would show up to to intimidate people out of the events and shit yeah, yeah okay but was, nobody actually got shot right like i don't think it did but a lot of events got canceled and stuff and that the, the real threat was there i mean these that's a real death threat type shit and so she got banned off like Facebook and everything. And even Twitter would not like Twitter is notorious for, you know, catering to Nazis. And in spite of that, probably came out as one of the more, uh, if not the most left wing media platform, which is kind of crazy. Also, considering it's the place where celebrities get to hang around. But something about the format really blossomed that out. And I wonder how much like Elon wanted to sink it. You know, how much is him? fucking up and thinking he was going to make money and how much of it was him not caring about losing the money and wanting to get rid of the left-wing social media platform well right like uh, you know the biggest like thing is elon would constantly get dunked on on twitter and mm-hmm. fucking now he can just make any anybody with eight dollars a verified account and confuse yeah. the the landscape of how people were consuming fast-paced information I mean, it wasn't always perfect. That's for sure. No, and again, understatement. <laughs> and again, organizing and pointing to real sources is important, and people can put threads on Twitter and just talk out of their ass and say whatever. Well, they yeah, want. I mean, there's a lot of grifters on fucking mm-hmm. Twitter. Like, there is fucking New Amoada is fucking bullshit. Where like he used to like a year ago or something like that, he was saying he wasn't a communist and now all of a sudden he's a fucking expert in selling $200 decolonization classes. Yeah, I mean... Telling people Rosebud's a decolonized nation 
Like, are you mm. fucking stupid? Shut up. Yeah, so, oh I mean, there's God. a there's an immense amount of, of problem with, you know, getting information there, getting news there. But also, you know, you curate your following, and if you have politically engaged people, you've got your own news sources, hopefully, you're going to. And we've always recommended stuff like, you know, Kasachin, uh, Breakthrough News, um, you know, actual Telesur is usually more reliable in Telesur English, but obviously, if you're an English speaker, Telesur English is fine. Unfortunately, we don't have stuff like, you know, for for uh, kind of getting news and, and a chuckle at the same time, watching you know Redacted Denied anymore because that stuff was was next. That's why I'm making but... a YouTube channel and... <laughs> <laughs> um, or my Patreon anyway. The, <laughs> um, possible, but yeah, but more serious news sites like Mint Press and stuff. You know, I mean, oh, just Mint's a myriad good. of resources. Um, Haitian Info Project; those are all good sources. But a lot of those sources also, you know, people may not know about and then you stumble across because it goes on your timeline mm-hmm. um, or something that's not as good of a news source like New York Times has an article that is honest and important. And it's one of those, you know, we talk about emphasis. I, I, they really talk about citations needed, but we always talk about like it's about emphasis, oh, not just the lie. Right. Um, and some of that emphasis is like is not just more coverage of like Russia bad and then ignoring, you know, Syria good. It's also like decorating the language, like, you know, the U S going in to liberate Syria and the U S, you know, defending Ukraine, like emphasis can also be bringing democracy. Yeah. All those, all those tonal dishonesty tricks where they're, you know, they'll have an article that admits that like North Korean defectors lie. And it's, it's because the regime is so totalitarian and, and they're so scared to get out of there and stuff, you know? And, and so, emphasis is a big deal you can also lie with headlines but some emphasis is well i love when they have a headline that shows up in the hyperlink and -hmm. then when you click on it it's a completely different headline now that yes they've changed it but the hyperlink still shows the old one yep oh so good i love that one um but but even then you know i mean so to say like this is a good article in spite of the bad source or this is important or this is something where it is, you know, the emphasis is the volume and it's getting buried in there. And and so maybe, you know, Washington Post has something well written by a decent writer that got one project in there about an important subject or something like that. It happens, and, right. and that stuff can get on your feed pretty well in Twitter. So it, it's kind of weird where it's not a reliable news source and it's not where I tell people to get news, but it also kind of makes a more reliable news source at times, not always, but at times, um, assuming your your um, timeline is curated well enough, I could just follow good uh, people for, for that kind of thing. Um, well, so versus like, like cable news or something. You know? I've been asked to make a list of people mm-hmm. that are good to follow because I have good opinions. <laughs> well, that's like one of my big criticisms of people like Rainer Shia and stuff is like, you know, there's an aggregator aspect where yeah. you collect this information and you can either hoard it and not tell people yeah. your sources and present it as your own, or you can quote people and platform people who have uh, less known voices that need to be said. So like one of my, uh, one of the things somebody was like, who are some like Pan-African authors and like black, uh, you know, theorists that need to be like, you know, talked about more that, you know, aren't like explicitly canonical, you know, like mm-hmm. Dubois or like Fanon. And I, I you know, I said Cabral, Rodney, and yeah. Sankara should all be in that canonic. Mm-hmm. And they are for MLs mostly, but even then it's mostly Sankara along with the other two. Most people haven't read Cabral or fucking Rodney that much. And Cabral is a necessary advancement on Fanon. Fanon has some great ideas, but he doesn't have the full 
uh, conceptualization necessary. And Rodney does the best at synthesizing Cabral and Fanon, as well as many other, you know, sources. Much like I try to do myself, not to like throw me in the same category, but that's like my inspiration is to, uh, you know, model my analysis off off of these kind of theorists who, you know, have just absolutely inspiring, you know, legacies uh, and successes, you know, not to mention that as far as like, you know, people go, you know, Althusier fucking murdered his wife or whatever. So like <laughs> we, we can have better heroes yeah. on the left. Yeah, um, and I I will um, on that that uh, pile of of people to read. Um, I don't know why I called it a pile. I was thinking a pile of books, but but people don't pile up like books; they just write. Um, but uh, another, you know, um, um, authors' books to to set in your stack there uh, for decolonial philosophy. I'd also throw in Steve Biko if we're looking at at African um, uh, revolutionaries. Uh, wrote I write what, what I like. What, what uh, early early ANC revolutionary um i'll have to like read. before yeah yeah before before south african independence um, oh okay sure okay yeah. that'd be interesting see yeah. I, I learned so much about the mandela period i've never actually <laughs> thought about going back i guess i mean it's you're not, like oh it's that's not, where all this go on yeah it's not uh, oh i was i was just gonna say um you know Stephen. I, I mean we're not talking that far back right like he wrote i write I write what I like in like the, the sixties or seventies. Sure. Um, so, you know, um, we're not, you know, we're not talking like the dawn of time. We're just talking like he died, um, pretty shortly after the black Panthers, uh, were, were mostly, you know, killed off or arrested in, in, um, COINTELPRO. So kind of shortly after COINTELPRO, uh, that's, that's my frame of reference, obviously, other than being revolutionary, um, Pan-Africanists, they're, 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 not, they're not really connected. Or actually, I don't know if Steve Biko was a Pan-Africanist. Um, other than being uh, black revolutionaries, I guess we'll just say that. Um, they're not really connected. But uh, but Biko died in like the mid or late 70s. Um, okay, geez. but But, yeah. So um, on top of that, there's also Harvard just admitted to having like 700 different strands of hair and shit from boarding school victims yeah rip uh there's a south dakota election loser who uh was molesting their kid uh who's adopted and supposedly native this is you know a conjunction with the supreme court debates on ICWA, where you have people like alita going weren't all native tribes at war with each other <laughs> Jesus Christ. Should we? Should we? I don't know how much we're prepared to talk to. We didn't prepare anything back, but should we dig into ICWA at all? And oh, I actually have it's... a wonderful episode with Narf, uh, okay. the lawyers that actually are fighting this in the Supreme Court. Now, I interviewed them on behalf of TRN and plan to do so again. Now that well, TRN based, so Narf is ran by a bunch of Mormons. And the TRN. <laughs> nice. TRN released a fucking anti-Mormon episode, so then they fucking ruined my relationship with Narf. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, that sucks. Anyway, so hopefully now that I'm not with TRN, I can get that interview again and get a better interview than what I got. Because uh, the issue is the lawyer that's in, uh, that was a part of Brock King v. Holland, um, which is like 
um, this important case where this white couple wanted to adopt this uh, girl uh, who's Navajo. Um, and because what ICWA does is it prevents um, genocide. So mm-hmm. if, if you're in a colonial society and you've murdered a bunch of the people and you start adopting their children and taking them away from that culture, you are committing cultural genocide. And despite what some Marxists might say, because they're ignorant and want to combat uh, Uyghur narratives um, very ignorantly, you know, they say cultural genocide isn't real. It's like, that's not true. And it's something you need to be very aware of because it creates a mass amount of contradictions that will lead to a lot of issues in building your socialist project. You can either continue to make those mistakes or you can learn from them. I recommend we learn. Yeah. Fourth world theory is something every Marxist should look into and help develop further. It's not the end all be all just like plural nationalism isn't. It's just stepping stone into the right direction. Okay. Let's move together forward. Huh? All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, that's most of the. Yeah. Best. Yeah. I think sometimes when these episodes, when we get a little, a couple days behind, we like lose track of some of these current events, but I think we talked about most of the important stuff. So I think we're good. Well, I, yeah, I try to list everything in the yeah chat. Yeah. We're so not we here to list current topic. events. We're, yeah, yeah, whatever. We, I mean, we bring I, them I just up like to for give the an ones. update. Yep. Yep, but we, we bring up the ones that are important to make people aware of if they otherwise wouldn't be. Well, ICWA um, is such an important in, thing. In-depth in analysis, yeah. yeah. Well, ICWA and then museum, like, I'd recommend people go to other sources for this because that's not what this... We could do a whole ICWA episode, and maybe we should, but that's, like, a whole other thing, and you get into, <laughs> like, lawyer speak. And I'm not a lawyer, and I interviewed the lawyers who are literally fighting this, so I'd rather <laughs> you go... Listen to my episode I did with them. You know, like I've already put in this work. Yeah. Don't make me do it a second time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and anyway, we did that pretty quickly, I'd like to say. Yeah. After our, you know, 40 minutes of trying to figure out where we are, because I never write down anything. We um, this, so we're good. So divest- we only wasted our time for that, not yours. That's true. <laughs> So divest and the occupation. Capitalism requires a powerful military industry for its process of accumulation and position of control over territories and natural resources, suppressing the resistance of the peoples. It is an imperialist system of colonization of the planet. This is the People's Agreement of Cochabamba from 2010. Mm-hmm. An explicitly anti-imperialist and anti-capitalist approach to climate change that they had to make a different version of the Paris Agreement um, in order to uh, pretend they're doing something. (laughs) So if you want to have like a realistic look at how the world works, go look at Cochabamba and listen Mm -hmm. to indigenous people instead of reinventing the wheel. We should stop having old conversations that were settled 80 years ago. That's an idea. Um, Like, why are we still asking if China is fucking revisionist or not when we don't have a revolution here yeah exactly i mean we can nitpick about china or bolivia or you know how socialist they are but those are you know unless we're looking at doing something 
yeah, they're, they're doing more than us. And unless we're looking at analysis of like, should we follow this path or not? In which case, so far, theirs is working better than anything we're doing. Well, um, so my point is, China has eliminated... Oh, I'm flipping you off. China has <laughs> eliminated property. <laughs> and uh, Bolivia has seen an even quicker reduction in poverty in their country mm-hmm. under those policies. So... And, and Cuba, we, we should also throw in, I mean, obviously, you know, Venezuela, all that, but like just as a big three, Cuba's also one to look at because they're the only ones that are, they're not even carbon neutral, right? They're carbon negative. Yeah, they're carbon negative. Correct. They're now taking mm-hmm. out carbon from the mm-hmm. atmosphere, which is awesome. We need to be doing that. And you can actually start doing that by just growing fucking food for to feed your neighbors. Just feed your fucking neighbors for free. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just do it. Just do and it. Before, before we it's go so too far, since, since we Sorry. were talking about. 2010 i hope um you know with the the at least um the, the mark's madness side of the podcast we went through the current events as they've happened in bolivia enough for people to to know and i would assume um a good chunk of the bands of turtle island following if not all would know uh, what cochabamba is but just in case um well, we also in bolivia, talked about it early oh did we okay i was gonna say in bolivia yeah, that's it's... that's the big base of, of indigenous power is cochabamba so. Oh, oh, yeah, Cochabamba itself, yeah, but mm-hmm. this is like uh, the People's Agreement of Cochabamba was put there specifically due to their, um, I mean, just dedication to mm-hmm. saving the planet. Honestly, mm-hmm. I like uh, the uh, I, who was it? Maybe it was National Geographic or something like that. They basically tried to blame Bolivia for burning the Amazon, and it's like, oh it's yeah, fucking I Brazil. That. I remember that, and they used the fact. That this was this was happening during um, the the coup. The coup, yeah, yeah, and and they were using the fact that campaigning was halted, like like the entire MAS party stopped campaigning and was actually doing stuff to fight the fire. Is that as some kind of evidence that they were actually starting the fire, even though it started on the Brazilian side under Bolsonaro, who was open about just plowing through the Amazon? It was ridiculous. Well, even then, like um, under Bolsonaro, sorry. Oh, okay. um, we have these explicit campaigns of genocide that Bolsonaro sends forth into the jungles. Mm-hmm. So you, you could have had prospectors going in there just over the border and stuff like that from Colombia or Brazil that are just mm-hmm. right-wing terrorists funded by the U.S. I mean, yeah. there's so many possibilities of what actually fucking happened there, you know, and it only gets more Yoda the further you look into it. You can go off into these, like, weird little rabbit trails with, like, Jared Leto's coat like cult and how like Janine Enyaz was fucking a member of it and shit like that. Quoting oh, it, like tweeting him and shit like that. Insane, insane fucking Morbius fucking Mormon time over here in Bolivia because of Elon mm-hmm. Musk and Jared Leto. I mean, mm-hmm. insane. I, and you know, I, I, I can tell you this again, as somebody who grew up Catholic, whatever you get those like white supremacists, the real right wingy, Christians, they always like to talk about the occult and then any other religion or culture they <laughs> yeah. don't like is the occult, the occult. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, like what an explicit Christo, Christo-fascist is in a cult, the occult doesn't mean shit, right? I mean, the idea that these Satanists are out to get, like, no. You know, and that that also ties deeply in um, the occult isn't necessarily, but can very also often be an anti-Semitic dog whistle because then it goes into the whole like um, Knights Templar, you know, yeah, that kind of well, like Kabbalism, Kabbalism. I don't know how it's pronounced, (laughs) but like uh, that's where the term Cabal comes from. Mm -hmm, Fucking mm -hmm. this idea that mysticism and Judaism is. Actually, mm-hmm. secretly uh, 
controlling the world and then you get into like shit like uh enochism and shit like it, it gets so awesome oh my god talk to somebody from prison about religion and prison it's it's fucking <laughs> sick i i knew this guy that like um was a bank robber and then yeah. like uh a cop uh fucking uh tried to pull him out of his car without identifying himself and so he shot him and paralyzed the cop and then uh, he ended up getting out of prison when that cop fucking wrote like the like a letter of fucking recommendation for his parole and shit. And he wow. actually ended up like changing Ohio law and sh- maybe even federal law that cops have to identify themselves, you know, before they fucking arrest you. Nice. So I was like, that's interesting. Fucking yeah. crazy. Like the dude fucking shot a cop and got away with it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good for him. Yes. Wait, he was like this right wing douchebag. Oh, for someone who deserves it. Oh, well, they're fine. But like, uh, by the end of it, he was like, "Maybe I am a Marxist." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, nice. I'll turn you." There we go. <laughs> so anyway, the occupation of indigenous land and settled colonialism has yet to end. So, for all of you who continuously say imperialism is the primary contradiction, you are talking about a global position when we are talking about socialism in one country and building a revolution where you are at you need to start going hey what are the contradictions of where i am and then you realize there's over 500 unique nations in the u.s alone 2,000 in the western hemisphere well in uh, the at least the north american and south american continent you know fucking if we're talking about, like, uh, you know, socialism in one nation. So perhaps we need to advance our positions because yeah. we can't have socialism in one nation and 2,000 nations, I think. You know, yeah, no. <laughs> like, we need to have a, a nuanced perspective on this that doesn't rely on book worship and dogmatic views of Stalin, Lenin, and fucking Mao. Yeah, you know, unless we're like, talking like a confederacy of the two thousand nations as a nation, and that just depends on well, how revolutions one big would go. Red like, nation, but you know that's my idea. You know, like yeah, I can't. You know, I'll do my best to convince everybody, but it's not our place to you know, command people how to fucking liberate themselves. It's our place to try to build a Marxist position for what they want for their liberation. You know, you can't fucking force people to live how you think they should live. That's mm-hmm. not going to work out. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, people know what they want and they're going to try to fucking live that way. And so you have to make that compatible. I don't know how else to explain that. I don't know. Really? Anyway, that was one sentence in despite historical <laughs> narratives of progress in the United States. Colonization is not a thing of the past. It is what shapes our present. Roxanne Dabar Ortiz writes in Indigenous People's History of the United States. To say that the United States is a colonial settler state is not to make an accusation, but rather to face historical reality, without which consideration not much of U.S. history makes sense unless Indigenous peoples are erased. Because, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness... Where was the pursuit of happiness when they flooded an entire village without choice? Yeah, I 
you can't get the settler colonial life, the settler colonial liberty, or the settler colonial pursuit of happiness without destroying indigenous life and indigenous liberty and indigenous pursuit of happiness. And so in order to do that without without approaching that, you can't approach those dreams. You have to materially, materially look for a just world, which starts with uh, the people from the land having the land. Right, and if this isn't like a position of moralism. It, it's not about like ownership. And the, the, here, here's the big confusion that always comes down. When we say having the land, it doesn't mean we own the land. It means we have jurisdiction. We have control of it. We determine how it should be used. And that is to say that it shouldn't be turned into lawns. It shouldn't be, you know, suburbs. Endless suburban sprawl. In, especially in the desert. Oh, my. Constantly expanding highway lanes, fracking. Okay, yeah. Nobody should be living in Phoenix. You can mm. cook your eggs on your car. Nobody should live there. Okay. <laughs> it should be a seasonal place the most. That's. I can't believe this is controversial. Like the fact that people live in, like they're building that fucking huge, like wall skyscraper in Dubai because their uh, fucking biodome isn't going to work out. Their air conditioned biodome. So stupid. Anyway. Um, yeah. There's just like, there's just so much that we fail to consider, I guess. I don't know. I feel like it's more that we, that the government and, the settler project actively erases, right? And so you don't understand that we have a completely different conceptualization of ownership and that it's communal. Mm-hmm. It, there is a base and there is a superstructure. And if you're from a different society, you're going to have different bases the superstructure is capitalism and it imposes itself over our base, which is different from the settler base. Understand? Like, I, I, it's really simple. I think, you know, I don't know how to explain it well, I guess, but like. There's, there's a gradients to, to a capitalist, right? Natural resources are, are a desire. And so nature being nature rather than just an open, you know, platform of extraction, that's an obstacle. Right. Um, indigenous people to them, that's an obstacle that that's in the way of the land. That's part of the nature. Whereas um, if you're a settler, right, you are both an obstacle because you have wants and, and needs and things like that and want a more just world as well. But you're also a tool. You know, you're you're not the person in the way protecting the land. You're you're the labor that makes the project go. Right. And even though indigenous people can work every bit as much, they've been assigned to the subhuman position of in the way. And so you're you're of a higher gradient because then you get to be the tool and the obstacle rather than just the obstacle. And if you can't comprehend that, then you're not analyzing evidence first. Well, so like in 1901, Canada had some fucking document. They said a final solution to our Indian problem, which was after like the Dawes Act stuff. And it's just like 1901, they're saying final solution first. It's it's a bit obvious what's going on here. Yeah. Fascism has been here for a very long time. 
It's just our the, the functional definition of fascism, which you can learn from Red Nation Rising mm-hmm. or Town Violence in America, at least from an indigenous perspective, is when settler colonialism is turned in on the settler population. Okay, that's when liberals begin to believe fascism exists, when in reality, fascism is just settler colonialism for the domestic context. I mean, it's pretty obvious when you see, you know, the division, you know, divide and conquer strategies. You quite literally see reservations set up as in concentration camps. You know, you have a deselection of an undesirable and you have a final solution for your designated problem and outgroup. You know, that literally came from the United States and Canada. I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah, there's no well, other way to look at it when you look and, at history, you know. Yeah, and additionally, you you have oh, and there's another good current event, the fourth state. Remember, this is only four out of fifty, but there's always been a loophole in the Thirteenth Amendment, and the fourth state mm. finally truly mm-hmm. abolished slavery. So, no, but Fuck it was yeah even not up for discussion, and yeah. we decided to not <laughs> get rid of it wholesale. Yeah. So that's cool. And then also, you know, the Supreme Court's discussing a bunch of bullshit. Like, it, well, yeah. our discussion on principles of communism, right, is exactly mm-hmm. why we brought this up. In that, you know, there's this presentation of angles where it's like, oh, you'll always have a place in capitalism. But it's like, mm, <laughs> you're more disposable than a worker. At that, especially at that point in history. Now, yeah. as like automation becomes more a reality in robotics, it's becoming more that a worker is much more akin to a slave. But we still have actual slavery in the world, so settle down there, Whitey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> settle down. Have some perspective. Okay. Yeah. That's all we're asking. Yeah. Have some perspective of where your struggle is. Okay. Especially like, so like somebody was arguing today that it's like, well, you know, what was I supposed to just get thrown in the street because they had a good adoption, right? I was like, well, maybe you should have some perspective here and think my good fortune is not a necessary part of this discussion because their Mm -hmm. entire argument wasn't that they weren't specific enough. They didn't clarify they were talking about indigenous people. It's like, well, I don't think they're necessarily only talking about indigenous people when saying that adoption could be used as a white supremacist tool and be oh yeah, oh yeah, it's it's done all. Well, there's people that are are brought in from other countries and as you know adoptees and stuff too, and you know that's that's wild white saviorism there. Yeah, Um, and so like like. You know, just because you had good fortune as an adoptee does not mean everybody Mm -hmm. does. And you shouldn't be like, I want my presentation, you know, represented. And if you don't, you're basically saying I should be thrown on the street. And it's like, no, you're taking a shoe that doesn't fit and trying to wear it. That's what's (laughs) happening. And you need to learn you need a different shoe. All right. All right. Hope that makes sense. I don't know. I speak in idioms a lot because it's easier to understand the world, I guess. I don't know. So, uh, we're almost almost through the first paragraph. Yeah. Uh, we'll get <laughs> there eventually. Settler colonialism is an ongoing project of erasure of indigenous peoples in order to replace them with settlers who claim to own and dominate the land. I hope you see where I set us up for this. Right. Um, 
the occupation of this land has always been maintained by violence or by threat of violence. The U.S. invests billions of dollars in its tools of occupation. The military it uses to enforce its global domination and steal natural resources from the global south. The police it empowers to repress domestic resistance to occupation. And the prisons it funds to warehouse and punish those who do not adhere to settled capitalist social norms. Um, which, you know, is probably the most actively seen with uh, the imprisonment and, you know, horrible treatment of mentally ill people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, George Floyd, I mean, is a great example of that. Anyway, these three institutions have coalesced into the military and prison industrial complex and pick, I don't know. An occupying force on stolen land that operates by reinforcing settler dominance, white supremacy, and global imperialism. The military and prison industrial complex refers to the concentration of government spending into private interests for some perceived social good that, in reality, supports corrupt industries. The military-industrial military complex takes public money to t- make war profiteers rich and those private corporations are awarded lucrative government contracts to develop expensive technologies for destruction at the public's expense. I ask you, please insert the suicide machine song. Um, War profiteering is killing us all for a second. I know Jason and they literally have a song called steal this record. We're good. All right. Similarly, mass incarceration has risen in the United States with support of both the Republican and Democrat Democratic parties to create jobs in devastated rural economies and move undesired populations out of cities. Um, so this is like uh, in the termination era, uh, we got moved into cities from reservations. Now they're trying to gentrify them and push us out. So like mm-hmm. San Francisco used to have a huge indigenous population. And now that part of the town's like the artsy, like fucking multi-million quadrillion thousand dollar houses that Silicon Valley execs live mm-hmm. on and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you also you also see that uh with with other forms of segregation like a lot of the white flight pushed out oh, of the yeah. suburbs and that's still the base suburbs is still a huge base of like fascism and right wing belief and well that's and like the a, people that are scared of the city which yeah okay that's racist. That's <laughs> what pisses me off the most about Haas uh in infrared is that uh mm-hmm. the motherfuckers in Ann Arbor, right? Mm-hmm. I I worked in Ann Arbor forever. I organized a union in Ann Arbor. Fucking mm-hmm. yeah, uh, had an impromptu Leonard Peltier protest uh, while yeah. trying to get sushi just because I saw them outside the post office and shit like that. I was like, "That's a Leonard fucking Peltier sign." And then I went out there, and some dude came out. He's like, "What is this?" And then this lady didn't quite know what she was saying. I was like, "Good news for you." So I actually work with the Leonard Peltier Defense Committee. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, you yeah, know, this is crazy that I'm running into you. And then this dude went off to pray or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you could have <laughs> done like anything else, but <laughs> thoughts and prayers. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, where were we? It serves as a population release valve for the contradictions of capitalism, increasing private prisons, uh, uh, sorry, release valve for the contradictions of capitalism. Increasingly, private prisons are making money on the uh, incarceration of black, brown, and indigenous peoples. To date, the United States imprisons more people than any other country in the world. Uh, Prisons, this is my notes, 
Prisons have become a pillar of American industry and even agriculture. Historically and presently, the carceral question becomes even more relevant as conditions worsen. Um, unfortunately, calls to defund the police will begin in jails and hurt prisoners while savings in a few dollars uh, while providing a few savings, uh, a saving of a few dollars uh, of the taxpayers um, wallet. This will result in uh, this will result in uh, numbers showing how funding has decreased, but in a morbid malicious compliance. So that is to say that, um, for example, uh, the town I used to live in, Marquette, uh, they they have like the county jail, and the count- Marquette County is one of the largest counties in the United States. It's huge, okay. and so fucking everybody from all around is going to jail here, and they have so many people shoved in there that people are sleeping in the hallways and cots of this jail as a cell, and we're talking. Maximum security jail. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the minimum security, they have like, you know, 12 bunks, right? And then they'll have like mm-hmm. up to six, eight dudes just sleeping on the floor in there. It's crazy. Oh, we have um, we have some bad, like notoriously in St. Louis, probably the worst one is the workhouse, which oh, has oh. no heating or cooling and is an old oh, yeah, building. Oh, no, yeah. That's how Marquette is, is too. A- fucking oven um and it's called the workhouse i mean that really underscores what it, and that that's like it's like rikers it, it's not prison these are not tried people they're just arrested and they're waiting trial well we have um, a labor camp too that you can go to and a lot mm-hmm. of people prefer it because you get as much bologna sandwiches as you want um which sure it's better than most yeah. jail food um like spanish rice with hot dogs is really gross i'm gonna be honest mm-hmm. with you i mean i'll eat it it's yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that's it's the fucking weird is, is is we should ban slavery. And, and again, we just talked about the only fourth state doing it. And yet prison labor just for even low pay, that pay is so important uh, when they they uh, rip you off in the commissary. But at least mm-hmm. it gives you something to call people or get the things you need or, well, if you know, you and, money, and it gets you out of. Yeah, they usually charge you like double for commissary. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have any money owed on the books, uh, they'll charge you double. It doesn't go towards your commissary. It just yeah, goes towards it, your fa- fines. They just charge you double as a punishment. It's, it's, it's an absolute racket. It's it's everything a company town was times 10. Oh, um, well, so it's $65 a night at that Marquette jail. Jeez. It's, if, every night you spend there, they charge you $65. Mm. And then um, because they can't actually, like, go after you in court or anything mm-hmm. after for it. Because that's illegal, pretty yeah. much, to do that. Uh, they just throw it on your credit score and ruin your credit. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, there's that, and there's another one downtown St. Louis, I forget what it's called, um, that they've actually had some riots over the last few years where people like break out windows and throw couches because oh. conditions are getting so bad. Cause I mean, you get out on that, on, on that work and yeah, you're getting like a buck 13 an hour or, or a day. Even sometimes you're paying horribly and it's hard, terrible work, but it's better than the conditions in the prison, which would say something about how bad our prisons are. Right. People look right. back and, and they'll do their anti-communism. Like, oh, the, the labor camps in Cuba and the gulags. And our it's like current prisons, our current prison. That's what people pine for. Well, so San the big Quentin's reason why huge. we have so many distinctions. So we have federal prisons, state prisons, and then jails yeah. is because 
there are UN conventions that require federal prisons be a certain level, whereas state and state prisons and jails can have so many violations. I mean, what's his name? Joe Arpaio fucking yeah. having like labor camps out in the fucking desert. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Anyway, you know, I mean, our labor uh, conditions are, are so bad in our prisons that, you know, you look at these, these other prisons that get vilified and, and it's better than our prison. And then you add how bad the labor conditions in our prisons are and how poor it makes people. It's ridiculous. Well, it's all like designed to perpetuate a cycle of debt, right? Mm-hmm. But towards the state, so that way, you know, hopefully you'll just keep coming and ending up back in prison. Um, so, that's then. While funds, equipment, and training from the federal government, police across the U.S. employ armored vehicles, chemical weapons, and military tactics of counterinsurgency to suppress protests. They have exported these tactics, many of which they learned in the genocidal Indian Wars of the 19th century, um, to militaries and police forces of repressive regimes across the world. Wait, what? Oh, I skipped some shit. Didn't no. I? No? Nope. Okay. Okay, nope. whatever. Basically, the tactics they used in the, the Indian Wars, they, they export for imperialism, right? You know, I mean, the, yeah, the, I guess they the thought genocidal... I yeah, the genocidal shit from the 19th century on this land is the kind of tactics that drive them to, to stuff like, oh, fuck, you know, they don't care about well, okay. depleted uranium in Fallujah. And, oh. and that, that should be remembered, but that might not even be the worst part of Fallujah. I mean, they, they cut that town off and just leveled schools and shit. Fucked it, up. It, yeah, uh, my God. <laughs> well, like... I don't even want to go into it. It's too grotesque. Um, there's this idiot on YouTube called the Vulgar Marxist who uh, is a Kropotkinist, admittedly okay. so. And uh, they say there is no legacy of slavery. It's oh like my the God. entire police are... <laughs> the, the legacy of slavery, yeah. <laughs> Again, slavery was just made illegal in the whopping fourth state in the U.S., so, like, what, the slavery's still going on. Anyway, yeah, oh, that person you Jesus. should all go harass. Um, can I get sued for that? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> get some money. I ain't got <laughs> shit. So, <laughs> uh, where were we? Uh, uh, equally we concerning. U.S. police and military personnel have been trained by Israeli occupation forces in the most modern techniques and technologies of settler colonialism. On top of this, international state violence oppressed people in the United States face vigilante violence from settlers intent on defending white supremacy along the southern border, in towns surrounding indigenous nations, and in cities across the country. As we have seen recently with Black Lives Matter uprisings, the police and military are deeply entwined with white supremacist militias, far-right groups, and fascist formations. I mean, there's, like, the entire L.A. police gangs. Um, there's been yes. countless fucking documents released since then showing that the FBI and stuff were monitoring certain groups involved. And, like, TRN helped organize one of the largest uh, Black Lives Matter protests in New Mexico. 
Um, and it resulted in Nick almost getting assassinated and stuff like that. So pretty crazy shit. And then like, as far as like the most recent technology goes like around the borders, you know, Israeli military tech companies have, uh, created this these huge towers that track people extensively and are placing these towers along um, the borders and then reservations along those borders uh, under the accusation that like the Tohono O'odahem and stuff like that uh, fucking are like you know sneaking Mexicans in yeah it's like this is the most racist thing and like uh, these towers like um, detect underground in case people are you know, tunneling, and then, like, uh, fucking, uh, they track, like, your footsteps, like, your geothermal footsteps and shit. Jesus. It's insane shit. Honestly. Like, if they wanted to just murder these people, they could. Instead, they're gathering them in concentration camps right now, called ICE facilities, and we are just letting this happen. Yeah. Okay, I, I do not know how to get this through to the left's head, but you need to be there. I can't say more, but there needs to be more engagement in actual concentration camps. Mm-hmm. We cannot let Holocausts continue. If not now, then when is a thing for a reason. Because holy shit, is it happening right now? Mm-hmm. I yes. mean, they Jim Crowed us in North and South Dakota. Fucking, they're attacking ICWA. That's literally an act of genocide. I mean, no other way to cut that one. Uh, Definitionally so. I mean, over and over and over again, we need to get our heads out of our asses and organize like like our lives depend on it because they do. Yeah. Maybe not your life, but there are people's lives who depend on it. I heard um, Truanon once say, if you think there's something worth dying for in this country right now, you're insane. And it's like, I don't think you are in a lot of trouble. And that's why like you, you don't have a lot of issues in your life. And that's why you were an adventurous over yeah. Rojava, you know, or Roja- I don't know how <laughs> but you Rojava, know, like yeah. you fucking, uh, you know, like I don't want to hear some fucking person who went and fought in the middle East as a white American, Tell me that there's something not worth dying for here when you wouldn't try to find something over there worth dying for because everything you learned there was learnable here. All of it. Every single bit of it. Mm. You know how I know? Because we learned from the PLFO and various Palestinian resistance groups and Kurdish groups over there. You know, like indigenous people have a lot of connections all across the world. At my Sundance, people from Japan, China, fucking all over the place are coming and you learn a lot and uh yeah it's it's one hell of an experience and that's why i've been saying to people help me raise the red fucking banner of communism over the black hills seriously because once communists start presenting themselves there the connection is going to be made the -hmm. biggest thing we have to worry about is russell Maine's republic of lakota thing and what's left of it and their libertarian bullshit. And I'm related to them, so I'm hoping... <laughs> you could be the chosen one. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not really that. It's more like I'm I need other people it. to be yeah. leaders with me. You know? Like, yeah. We are waiting for a leader, but to me, it's leaders. 
You yeah. know, it's not just me. It's all the cadres and shit I'm involved with. Like, there's the only reason I'm smart is because I fucking know the right people that told me how to fucking educate, be educated, basically. Like, I fucking was an idiot when, like, five years ago. And before, when I started this podcast or whatever, well, I was a turtle island. And now fucking shit's way different. Holy mm-hmm. fuck. Whew. I mean, even the conversations are completely changing now that. People are actually trying to be serious, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, it's been interesting to see how things worked out. And we still have a huge grifter problem. So, you know, like, there's just a lot to think about when thinking about how to actually uh, tackle these things from an online perspective. A lot of it is go touch grass and have certain conversations you can't have online. Because I can't tell you on podcast everything you need to do. I can tell you the books and stuff you need to read in order to get there, but I cannot actually do that. I make it a goal to m- make my way around the country and talk to people in person. Uh, that's going to get me killed. It's going to. I mean, let's be honest. As soon as you start going around in person with people and getting them connected, people start looking at you weird from a government yeah. perspective. And there's yeah. no real way to not be tracked. You know, sucks. But those, that's the reality we organize in. And so, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm trying my best not to die. You know what I mean? Yes. I, yeah. I could get you to the point I'm at without telling you everything we need to do. Okay? Go grow some yeah. potatoes is my best advice right now that I will <laughs> give online. We've we've said from the Mark's Madness side before that uh, you know you should be willing to die for the revolution, and if you haven't, you've got some radicalization to do. But you should want to live for it because exactly. there's nothing more revolutionary than um, oppressed people living and breaking through that oppression. Exactly, well said. And so the U.S. Uh, military prison industrial complex is the greatest purveyor of violence on the planet. Given the immense power of resources that support the settler occupation of indigenous land and global imperialism, we must find effective ways to diminish and defund these institutions without confronting the structures that murder, displace, imprison, and oppress us. We will not be able to create alternative ways of being as these will be swiftly targeted and crushed as threats to the existing status quo. Um, and so that like, Leonard Peltier is in prison because they were building fucking community gardens. You know, that's basically what it comes down to. I mean, it was a lot more than that going on, but that's what they were doing. And that's what they were accused of building bunkers while doing. Well, the one there's again, and, and we, you know, sometimes use Cointel Pro the way, you know, Gladio's used is like, you know, that's the name of one specific thing, but it means so many others. No, oh, for sure. The, the, the well, even Cointel then, Pro. like Gladio is Cointel Pro on the international stage, right? True, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, something we, we talk about when we bring that up is Cointel Pro proper, because that's, that is the well-known thing. Uh, explicitly stated in there that they went after the Black Panthers both because of the black nationalism and because they were out feeding people like the breakfast program was, was one of the reasons they wanted to wreck the black Panthers. So, right. It's the fact that if you provide these material needs of poor people, it attracts Mm -hmm. them to to your cause a lot quicker than going around reading Mao's red book, you know, Mm -hmm. like, which they did do at the same time. But, um, you know, if I went to the street corner and just started reading Mao, 
How many people do you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> are going to be communists. Again, there's several reasons for praxis. One, you should be compelled to. You know, an injury one is an injury for all. A, a you know, victory for one is a victory for all, and you don't want to see people harmed. So you should be compelled to do these things. Additionally, additionally, um, this is going to help us build the power structures of systems that are going to be needed for a revolution. You're not just going to like flip the revolution switch and wow, the entire economy works. Um, but on top of all of that. You want a really good way for people to listen to you where you can actually connect to them and show them the theory? If if the people feeding them are Marxist, all of a sudden the people are going to be like, oh, maybe I should listen to the Marxists. And that's, you know, that's a hard part we have when we talk about like, you know, religion um, and, and I'm talking religion like reactionary, you know religions obviously there's there's several religions that preserve culture and things like that, but like especially Christianity proper, um, which you can be left-wing and Christian, but the the Christian message that has a lot of reactionaries running the show gets out there in large part because even though they've created the situation where they're the ones providing and they have a lot of wealth they've hoarded that they can trinkle out and feel good about themselves, still, if you're poor and they're the ones that feed you and then they say this comes from God, you're, you're going to listen. Well, you're not, at least not going to bite the hand that feeds. Yeah, you can at least you know, have some open ears and, and nod your head and, and be more open to listening than, than someone just shouting at you. And, right, you know, and so and like the church you. isn't the best example because they use a lot of manipulative tactics in order to get people mm-hmm. supporting them, whereas communists should aim to be better than the church. That's yes. You know, <laughs> Again, you, you, these you things should you should be done in earnest. Yep. Is yep. It, so if you live by example, which, you know, that – my grandpa was a Christian and a minister, and that was the biggest way he was able to attract people into the church is that how well he lived in society and presented himself. The problem is, is his children didn't do as much because they understood. I mean, he was very honest that there is a presentation going on. Yeah. There is something expected of you that isn't expected of other people when you're a minister. And that's like, you can't drink alcohol and stuff like that. If you're a real believer, you know, the worst blasphemy you can do is to sin in these simple ways rather than, you yeah. know, um, like my grandpa wouldn't actually embezzle. Instead, you know, he would bring in so much money that the board would say, here's your $80,000. Meanwhile, he's bringing in, you know, half a million to a million dollars a month through donations yeah. at a, you know, 200 to 700 person church, depending on when we're talking about a salary and it never changed. He got paid the same amount through that last bit of his life. Uh, And like, it started off with him, like being a minister in the South in a roach motel, you know, like (laughs) they just got free labor out of him his entire life. He built churches for them all Mm -hmm. around the world, blah, 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 blah. And like, you think about it and it's like, holy shit, never once did he actually bear the full fruits of his labor and when he did try to take full advantage of the system, like with tax breaks, yeah. you know, he was like one of those people hit with the IRS because he was like claiming old tax breaks on a new tax system under Obama. And then that sparked the whole fucking racist oh, spiel where he was like, I mean, at one point the man fucking said, you know, if I was put in charge, this is why you shouldn't put ministers in charge just because I, I was put in charge. We just go in and kill all the sinners. I was oh, like, Jesus. What does that mean? He's like, oh, I put a wall around Detroit and just go in and kill all the criminals. Wow. Like, um, Christ. how do you know if yeah. somebody's a criminal? Yeah. <laughs> e. 
Okay, so maybe maybe anyway. better analogy, but this will get back to the touching grass thing, and this is not necessarily organizing, just day to day stuff, right? The best, most open minded discussion, the best way to really, you know, make some friends from a general acquaintance. Have you ever, you know, had someone like maybe a coworker or a friend, and they're like, oh, you know, I need help moving my house, or my shit flooded, and I need to clean. I need to clean my basement out, you know, with a shovel and throw a bunch of shit away. You show up there and you work hard. Guess, you know, people there, there's a different tone people take and you did it because you cared and people can tell and, and there's a different tone and it's a very open and positive tone and, and they listen. And when you, when you organize, it does the same thing, you know? Well, and like, I, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've been working at a place with some right wing reactionary who's constantly complaining about. Ah, uh, socialist this, blah blah blah, leftist that, Democrat this, blah 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 blah, bullshit. Yeah, and then I mentioned that I'm a communist, and they just sort of go, <laughs> you know, eyes go wide, and they're just jaw drops because they're like, "Oh, you're a really good re- worker," and here I am shitting all over you. Yeah, they're all lazy. And you're like working circles around them, and yeah, like I, you know, I'm a pretty strong person who like. I was lifting transmissions for these motherfuckers. So I'm just yeah. like, shut up. We're right. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> let's try to win, read one last paragraph since we sure. have to cut out some, some stuff. Yeah. Um, so divestment is a strategy for dismantling these structures at its most basic. Oh, sorry. Wow. Di- divestment is a strategy for dismantling these structures. Period. At its most basic divestment is the removal of funds, resources, and energy from what harms us. It has a long history and powerful movements against injustice, including the global movement to end apartheid in South Africa, the boycott, divest, and sanctions movement to end Israel's occupation in Palestine, and the fossil fuels divestment delegation is indigenous women led as part of the the hashtag no DAPL movement in 2016, the U S border patrol employs Israeli technology developments for the walls of Gaza and West bank and U S and those are the towers I'm talking about. I don't think a lot of people understand that that's the same technology that is in the walls of Gaza, you know? Um, and, uh, this was an old intercept report, uh, that I covered in 2019. Um, so where were we? Uh, the exchange of technologies of violence must be stopped our, our, for ourselves and for our Palestinian relatives. We have identified five areas of struggle within the larger um, military. What? Military prison industrial complex. President. I forgot the prison. I was like, fuck me. <laughs> I hate that word anyway. As priorities for large scale targeted divestment campaigns. And so. We will get into those five areas next time. That way I don't have to write down where we stop. (laughs) Not this time. (laughs) So what's the... Oh, plugs. Is that how we end the episode? Yes, that's how Um, we end the episode. So this was a pretty good episode, I'd like to say. Um, I hope you think so, too. If you thought so or you learned something, uh, please reach out. Um, Yeah. At Bands Island uh, on Twitter, or I don't fuck Twitter. Um, <laughs> so much as Twitter is extant, um, it's uh, so like I don't know. It might be I, gone. By I the time am this making comes out. I'm making a Discord. I'm making a public Discord. Um, is my plan. I don't know what I'm doing. So 
Bear with me. It might take a minute. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter until that's established, and then we'll get we'll get something going. I don't know. And then um, there's a Patreon. Uh, the Patreon basically helps me do my writing and organizing. Um, the money goes to various places, pays people's rent, uh, buys people wood. I uh, I mean, I've. <laughs> For a poor person, I give away too much money. That's for sure. That's literally why the federal government called indigenous people incompetent and legally wouldn't let us have bank accounts is that we gave away money too much. It's, oh, Jesus. Oh, what a horrible problem. <laughs> anyway. Um, so well, let's see what else. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Support that. I'm doing a winter drive. Uh, we're raising $3,000. Uh, I'm trying to get, I'm going to get a PO box, um, soon. I don't know. Uh, so that way people can sell, send in blankets, coats, et cetera. But we're getting a U-Haul and we're going to buy a Buffalo and we're going to rent out a building there. And we're going to feed people and hand out fucking, um, you know, tarps, flex seal, fucking, uh, various things to just help people try to survive the winter a little better. It's just going to be rough. Um, we have about uh, 12 hands guaranteed uh, out there when we go out there. Um, so it, it's it's going good organizing-wise. Um, I would like to hire a camera person just so you can get, like, real-time photos and stuff like that. But, um, you know, otherwise I'll be, like, taking it on my iPhone, whatever. But um, Let's see. Um, I'm going to be putting in my own $1,000 so long as the tribal council gets me my COVID money. Um, so meet me halfway and help raise $2,000 collectively. I think that's a fair compromise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's hoping I get my check on time. And that depends on my council's fucking asses. Uh, but, we, you know, we'll be bringing out wood for elders. Uh, for, it's just so much. Uh, the big issue is that my reservation doesn't have easy access to wood, especially during winter. Whereas in Michigan, like we, we have, I mean, we can literally drive to Canada and go chop down wood. <laughs> There's many people who do. And they're like, we're getting a lot of donations and stuff of just wood that um, is pre-seasoned and stuff like that and ready to burn for people's um, you know, survival uh, because people do freeze in their homes on my reservation all the time. And, um, it's, it's a huge issue. Like, uh, actually my fucking aunt and uncle's propane furnace just blew. So they are completely reliant on wood this winter. Um, until they can afford a fucking propane guy. And that's fucking a thousand dollars on its own, you know, like that's fucked, you know, like that, that's a lot of money to have to raise when I can, you know, at least try to keep people warm this winter, you know, the way I'm going about it. I don't know. And I think it needs to be an explicitly communist presentation. That's why I'm trying to do it. And I, that's yeah. why I'm asking for your help is that there needs to be this explicitly communist presentation. Uh, the closest thing you have is TRN and Indian Collective, and they are not being explicitly communist due to the fears they have uh, of being ostracized from the community there. Whereas I don't have those fears because I'm actually from the community there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that worried about it. Most people are really down with everything I say. So I think it's far beyond time to present the red banner and fucking uh, get, get a move on. 
going to move on yep. with things. Yeah. Uh, we declare ourselves independent in 73. I think uh, with some Marxism, we can make that a reality. There we go. So uh, that's, I guess, the end of my plugs this time. Because I'm just please, sure. for the love of God, help me with that fucking winter drive. Sure. I cannot tell you. Zicado's tin can is the cash app. Uh, I need to make the GoFundMe. It's I just get swamped with a billion other things and get distracted. I have really bad ADD, so it's just it's a whole thing. Anyway, um. So anyway, for the Mark's Madness side of this, um, you know, um, this has been Mark's Madness Pod in collaboration with Bands of Turtle Island. Uh, we read books. My name is David. And uh, there's a number of ways you can get a hold of us, uh, so long as Twitter exists. That would be at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can also get a hold of us, Mark's Madness Pod at gmail.com. Uh, or we do have a Discord. Uh, you can email us for that. Or currently, again, as long as Twitter exists, that link is in the bio. Um, I go there when called out. I'm not there all the time. Um, and then I guess it's disclaimer time. So when me and Nathan started this, uh, we were reading capital, uh, Nathan said, Hey, you know, you want to read this with me? Obviously, you know, you want to read theory, um, history in a group. So we started reading it together. We decided to record because two was a pretty small group and lo and behold, we turned into podcast and all you guys are here. And something we certainly hope is all you guys are out there in your party in your cadre, um, doing the work, doing uh, the kind of praxis that we've been discussing all episode here. Um, and, you know, in your reading group, uh, you're reading this along with us and we can be another voice in the group, another point of input, another point of context, things like that. Uh, let's say that's not happening because uh, your group that you're organizing with is reading something shorter or something more applicable to a project that they're on. Um, or even, you know, they, they read in cycles and you're in between cycles and you're reading this on your own. Um, hopefully we can be that reading group and we can give you that extra context, give you that uh, other source of input, um, things like that. And let's say that's not happening and it's either a book like this where we're reading it word for word, like an enhanced ebook or a book we summarize more, whatever we can do to get these works more accessible to you, because we want these out there guiding your actions. Um, when you put these works into action, that's a phenomenon called praxis, which by definition cannot exist without theory and theory is completely useless without that praxis. They go hand in hand. They're tied at the hip. I love the Fred Hampton quote, uh, a theory ain't shit without praxis. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so that's a good one. Live uh, or, or my friend, <laughs> and, and that's not anti-book. Fred Hampton had a huge like twenty-book reading list too. It's yeah, just it doesn't I mean, mean shit without the praxis. You know, oppose book worship. You can say all you want. Lenin can say whatever he wants, mm -hmm. but if he's not living out the material conditions right now. His analysis is not as useful as you think it is. Mm -hmm. And then there's more recent theorists who use Lenin's analysis for a more contemporary time we can learn from. And they've done it in these material conditions. And you could learn from them instead of rehashing debates that happened 50 years before those people even wrote, like Ronnie and stuff. Like Ronnie was, has been to the United States. Yeah. Well, and also, <laughs> also when you read this theory – and you go out and you do it, it has a different mean like there's a different meaning to theory when you do versus theory when you just read. Right? Because that experience like draws it out. It starts to make sense. You know, there's so many things that I could describe to someone that's never done anything like, you know, you gotta look out for grifters and, and have good um opsec 
But then you've also got to be open-minded, not overly paranoid, not wreck your own organization. And I say that and someone that's never been there is like, that's totally contradictory. There's no way to do that. How? No, this is impossible. And then you go out and you do it and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, okay. You know, it's not perfect. There's different ways to do it. There's learning, but you just do it. Well, then theoretically, like you don't know if those people are fucking urgent or not. Like you can try to guess. Yeah. Is it useful? to like spend you know, your time not not everyone's a not everyone's a fed but you know you you've also got to go through criticism um and sometimes you know that's another thing too sometimes you got to be a stickler and and like I get on about you know the difference between aid and mutual aid and 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 charity and then sometimes it's like well someone post you know mutual aid request on on social media and it's like i'm not going to lecture them about mutual aid i'm going to give them money you know yeah it's um, like oh, I mean, oh mutual aid is a temporary <laughs> solution it's like yeah <laughs> yep. H- help us. Like, if you help me raise three thousand dollars for this mutual aid effort, you're yeah. not just feeding the community. You're not just keeping yeah. them warm. You're bringing a presence to com- of communism there that is not explicitly already there. If I can mm-hmm. get the money to make my own banner, I fucking will. I don't know what I'm gonna fucking put on it. Fucking, mm-hmm. but like I said, help me raise the red banner over the fucking Black Hills because people are ready. All I'm saying, they are ready. And you do not realize how ready they are if you don't think they are, because you whew, you need to touch fucking grass. You need to get a real mm-hmm. job, perhaps. Like I know a lot of podcasters say people aren't ready, and that's because well, they actually have an invested interest if you keep listening to them. So yeah. of course they they'll convince themselves that we're not ready because they themselves are not ready, and I- so they'll replicate those issues. You know, again, Mark's madness side of this, me and Nathan said for a long time until we're here until the revolution takes off. And we we know and we've also said several times revolution isn't a day. You don't just go and flip a switch and then ta-da, it's done. But there's definitely a takes off. And Mm -hmm. once it gets to like takes off, uh, you know, we're not going to be sitting here recording a podcast. We're we're going to be in the streets. There's shit to do. Yeah. Uh, I would have get published there. more podcast episodes if there wasn't so much shit to do. In right, fact, there's dude. so much shit to do that I get to do along while making podcasts. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. shit, I'll, I'll publish them eventually. Mm-hmm. So there's like several fucking podcast episodes just in the woodworks that I got to yeah. edit together and make like an actual fucking podcast. So people yeah. aren't like, you just posted bullshit. But I'm like, mm-hmm. ugh. <laughs> Who gives a shit? You don't need to do that. I mean, like, it's one thing to have, like, shortwave radio. That's one thing I've been looking into. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> that's sort of like how Alex Jones got his start. Um, shortwave radio? Really? Mm-hmm, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> um, but I know these crazy hippies from, like, back in the day that were, like, uh, they, they built, like, their own shortwave transmitter. And really? then, like, we're broadcasting out of the back of a van on Wounded Knee and shit. Oh, like, oh wow. my God. Crazy stuff. And they did a <laughs> bunch of crazy stuff like that, actually. Like, they were at, like, the first ever UN conference with indigenous people there. I, I Like, I have full access and, like, um, jurisdiction over their archives, which is nice. pretty cool. Um, nice. But they have, like, uh, the Wounded Knee occupation, like, uh, negotiations and shit. So those are going to be published for the first time, thanks to me. And I, I, I'm doing the wonderful job of identifying everybody. Mm, that's <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It's a wonderful experience. And like, it's very useful information. That's old. It's old info. It's 50 years old, 60 years old. 
It's literally about this February. It'll be 50 years old. Yeah, it'll be exactly 50. So, I mean, we have a lot to learn. Yes. We do. We It's a tough road ahead. Um, but I, I don't know. I think we can do it. I just think people yeah, need to and, get their heads out of their ass, you know? And, and this is all about that. You know, I mean, this is, we, we obviously, it's all about getting your good... head out of your ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're here to get your head out of here. No. Uh, you know, obviously we do this for a reason. This, 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 you know, isn't pointless. There's a lot to this. That's why we put the effort in every single week and, and why, you know, we work hard, uh, you know, money to, uh, you know, uh, and, and us collaborating. Yeah. Book. I mean, let's, yeah, I mean, we're going through this book. It's, it's a big deal. But, um, you know, we do that, but it's always been kind of a hope of along that, like, you know, um, give, give a man a fish, you know, teach a man right. to fish type thing, right? Like, this this is the, the, that's also why you you are political when you're doing your praxis, you know, there it, it's not an either or. You give a man a fish and you teach him to fish, you well, know, that's, that's uh, my go thing, out there and that... do <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm definitely more of a teach me how to fish kind of person. Like, I want mm-hmm. you to show me how to fish rather than, you know, yeah. catching the fish for me and filleting yeah. it for me. I want to learn how to do it myself so that way I don't need you. I can just yeah. do it myself. You mm-hmm. know, I, I shouldn't have to rely on somebody else to achieve a fulfilled life. But mm-hmm. if we can rely on each other without getting ripped off, that would be a nice change in society. I would yeah. really like that. Like the fact that I work for so many people that rip me off, it's ridiculous. I mean, like the amount of work I've put into this six part audio documentary, I will never, ever be able to be paid the amount of labor I've put into it. Never. Mm-hmm. You couldn't. You couldn't just because it's 20 an hour is the mm-hmm. rate, right? Whatever. Yep. But that's after 800 hours of work, you're just like, nobody's paying that. I, I think I got like <laughs> promised 400 hours. Yeah. Like after like, just like you're over the bid, you know, like, well, like in the first year I went over 70 and I was like, if you want this to be good, <laughs> take step. So maybe I need more time but just pay me less that was the yeah. compromise yeah but anyway so, we're, we're getting off the rails and our, our our ending here even if this is good content so we'll just say this yeah. hopefully hopefully you know the revolution is not going to be obsolete that's going to be important it's a long process it goes on forever and ever and ever but all of these revolutionary components we do especially with like with this podcast right here we're hoping becomes obsolete because the revolution has taken off so much right. so Podcasts go do that are pointless Yes, go do that. If you're a podcaster and you're not advocating for the abolition of podcasting, <laughs> you are a grifter. No, I yes. don't know, so I don't go, know if that's true. So go <laughs> out there, go abolish us. Um, abolish this us, is, please. This has been Mark's Madness Pod, a collaboration Free. with Bands Free. of Turtle Island. We, we Get me out of books. their closet. They won't let me out. <laughs> we read books. My name's David. I'm Shumani, too. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Talk show.